Exquisite. Hebrews 20.20, we see Jesus increment 230, and we will be dealing with Thesis 67 through 88 of our 88 theses, which we have allowed to emerge in our study of Hebrews so far, or which the we could say, I guess the Holy Spirit gets the credit for this. I don't guess. He does. And these last... This last group of concentrated truths and propositions that we have come up with, all of which can be backed by argument or explicated and expounded in scriptural documentation, these last, this last section is going to bring us up to where we are now in the central section of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 8. All of these 88 theses have to do with things that have emerged, truths, concentrated truths that have emerged in our study of the first seven chapters of Hebrews. In the second major section, which is Hebrews 8, 1 through 10, 18, we'll be, we're already sort of made a couple of forays into that, of course. But these last 22 of the 88 theses are going to be particularly relevant as a kind of a runway to Hebrews 8 and where we are. And in fact, these really encapsulate the latest important insight that the Holy Spirit has allowed us to have into Telestai Phalanx, one that has gone beyond USSJC, UICC in one sense. And so, Father, we pray that these particular truths, concentrated truths, will come forth as the reality that Jesus is to all of our hearts and minds. We ask it in his name. Amen. Again, these particular theses are of extreme importance to our study in Hebrews. Thesis 67, what must be recognized, and it's true, whether it's recognized or not, is that the whole human situation has been radically altered in Christ and in the Christ event. This is sort of an expansion on one of my favorite little quips and jokes. I remember seeing a bumper sticker one time. You probably heard this many times. If you've been with me for many years, you've probably heard it ad nauseum from me, but it, it encapsulates a thought. The bumper sticker said, God said it. I believe it. That settles it. And my amendment of that particular bumper sticker would say, God said it. That settles it, whether you believe it or not. So, this is sort of like in that same vein, Thesis 67. What must be recognized, and it's true, whether it's recognized or not. If you don't recognize that Jesus Christ is your creator and maker, that he's God and man in one person, 
your lack of acknowledgement of that reality doesn't make that reality a non-reality. It's true whether you believe it or not, whether you acknowledge him or not. He's your savior. He's your king. He's your Lord. He died for your sins and mine. He rose from the dead. He's seated at the right hand of his father in the highest heavens. He's representing you there. You say you don't believe it? That doesn't make any difference at all to that reality. So, what must be recognized, and it's true whether it's recognized or not, I'm speaking of people who are listening to the teachings of Hebrews, and this is my last message until we meet face to face again, if the Lord is willing and the current of history don't rise, because there is always the possibility that the crick will rise, the current of history may rise to a point where we may require physical absence again someday. Now, what God has done for us in these past two and a half years or so is allowed us to master at least a part of what it means to be a part and yet not miss a beat with his word. And so we can move in that realm if we need to. And we can also move in the realm of seeing one another face to face, meeting physically. And we can move in that realm and master that realm also. And so we may have to bob and weave throughout our future. There may be times when we will meet face to face, say once a month, once a quarter, twice a quarter, twice a week. And we need to be flexible, and we will be flexible, because history is going to throw us some curves and some nasty pitches. You can be sure of it. It has, it will. And we, however, have a God who does not change, a God who does not flinch at what happens in history, and he's making us steadfast and immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing this, that our work, because it is in the Lord, is not in vain. And that's just a little bit of a pastoral encouragement in this what might be the last of our messages in this period of absence. Before we, Lord willing, meet again August 7th and every Sunday in August at 10 a.m. at the building, we call it, or the Alamo. Thesis 67, again, this is is supremely important. What must be recognized, that is if you're a true student of the word and a serious student of the word, I'm speaking to serious students of the word. What must be recognized, and it's true whether it's recognized or not, is that the, the whole human situation has been radically altered in Christ and in the Christ event. Thesis 68. Jesus Christ the crucified is the sole reason, S-O-L-E, sole reason. Another word for reason is logos. Jesus Christ the crucified is the sole reason, or logos, for the radical alteration of the human situation. Emphasize that word. 
Jesus Christ and him crucified, raised from the dead and glorified, is the sole reason, Lagos, for the radical alteration of the human condition, which is about to happen when all of humanity is changed and clothed with immortality and incorruption according to a mystery. 1 Corinthians 15.51, Cave to the Temptation. Thesis, that is, I cave to the temptation to offer scriptural verses, which you don't really have to do in a thesis. Thesis 69. Beyond the debate of universal salvation or not, and that's not a debate that I really want to enter, because it's not a matter of whether salvation is universal, but it's a matter of whether Jesus has universally saving significance, and he does. But beyond the debate of universal salvation or not, is the incontrovertible truth that in Jesus Christ and him crucified, resurrected, and exalted to the right side of the eternal majesty on high, God has radically, universally, and permanently altered the human situation for the infinitely better. Now, some of these propositions I'm giving you now may be almost like restatements or expansions or amplifications of others, but it's all hopefully enfolded in one glorious truth. Thesis 70. Jesus, our archpriest, represents us and intercedes for us through this meantime, in quotes, meantime, between the alteration of the human situation, which occurred in the Christ event, and the time of the alteration of the human condition by the general resurrection and glorification which will occur in his second appearance. Thesis 71. In other words, we're in the time in between, the radical change of situation, which you can't see, but only faith can apprehend, and the radical change of condition, the condition of humanity, which will be through resurrection, which you'll be, both be able to see and, in fact, experience everlastingly. Thesis 71, Jesus Christ is the kind of archpriest we need because he is our inclusive representative throughout the time between the radical, permanent alteration of the human and creational situation and the radical and permanent alteration of the human and creational condition. Please notice that I didn't just say human situation altered and human condition altered, but the creational situation altered and the creational condition altered. Thesis 72. It is from this exalted position, and that's where we're going to take up again and afresh 
in a reinvigorated exposition in Hebrews 8.1, as we've already begun to do. It is from this exalted position and in a tent or tabernacle constructed not by men but by God that Jesus acts and ministers as our great archpriest during the meantime that is ongoing between the radical alteration of the human situation brought about by the Christ event and the radical alteration of the human condition that is to be manifested in the general resurrection. In the future bodily resurrection will occur the full manifestation of the alteration of the human situation which occurred in the death and the bodily resurrection of Jesus from the dead. There's a lot to this one, of course, and I encourage you, in fact, even urge you to meditate on some of these things and to allow the Holy Spirit to give you verses that document these things. Thesis 73. What is very important for us to understand is that by his once and for all sacrifice there has come about a radical and permanent alteration of the human situation from one of enmity against God to reconciliation with God. That's a a thesis that we're going to be dealing with and emphasizing quite strongly in the future, Lord willing, and if he gives me breath and life, continues to. Thesis 74, the radical and permanent alteration of the human situation is something that can only be understood by faith. Not by science, not by empiricism, not by rationalism, not by observation, not by experimentation, by faith. Faith includes a system of perception that goes infinitely beyond the observation qualities of so-called science and empiricism, positivism, sight, and a lot of other human perceptions that, though inferior, are sometimes the objects of pride of man. Pride, incidentally, is the very essence of human sin. Pride. Proverbs 8.13 is a good start with that, but there's a hundred pages I could talk about on human pride and its various manifestations. Thesis 75. Because of the radical nature of God's love, the cross of Christ was the mercy killing of the irredeemable and incurably sick old man. Micah 1 9, Nahum 3 19 speaks of an incurable wound. I'll say that again. Because of the radical nature of God's love, the cross of Christ was the mercy killing 
in quotes, of the irredeemable and incurably sick old man, the man of sin, or the man of lawlessness, 2 Thessalonians 2.3. The cross of Christ was the euthanasia of the old man. The recognition of this allows us to understand that putting off the old man, as the scripture requires of us in Colossians 3, 9 and Ephesians 4.22 is the putting off from ourselves of a dead man. And that means it's the end of our being defiled by a corpse. And if we're not defiled by a corpse, what are we? Effective priests in the household of God. I'm expanding that a little bit. Thesis 75 is a little more compact than I just put it. Thesis 75 reads like this, compactly. Because of the radical nature of God's love, the cross of Christ was the mercy killing of the irredeemably and incurably sick old man, the man of sin. The cross of Christ was the euthanasia of the old man. The recognition of this allows us to understand that putting off the old man is the putting off from ourselves a dead man. It is the end of our being defiled, therefore, by a corpse. Thesis 76 Faith is also the assurance of the coming pass, P-A-S-S, pass, the permanent, radical, observable alteration of the universe and the human condition, even the human somatic status. The permanent alteration of somatic status or bodily status. Faith is the assurance of that future event, the coming past, the permanent radical alteration of the human bodily condition. So when I say past, P-A-S-S, I mean the permanent radical observable alteration of the universe as well as the human condition, even the human somatic status. This goes way beyond the abnormal neuroses and sometimes even the psychosis of the screaming greenies today. Faith is also, therefore, the assurance of the coming pass via the extremely general resurrection. Faith, again, is the settled conviction that this alteration of the human situation has, in fact, taken place in Tetelestai, when Jesus cried or when Jesus spoke, to Telestai from the cross. Faith is that, along with being the confident assurance that the past and the new creation of all things will come to pass and that it is already done in the resurrected Jesus and therefore guaranteed in the resurrected great archpriest. I'm going to read Thesis 76 again without expansion because it again it's kind of loaded it's concentrated it can be fanned out into a volume faith is also the assurance of the coming past via the extremely general resurrection faith again is the settled conviction that this alteration of the human situation has in fact taken place in tetelestai that is when jesus said tetelestai from the cross in john 1930 Faith is that, along with being the confident assurance that the past and the new creation of all things will come to pass and that it is already done 
in the resurrected Jesus and therefore guaranteed in the resurrected great archpriest. Thesis 77. For some reason I have this in a Mistral font, but I'll leave it that way maybe in the PDF. Faith goes way beyond any analyses or critiques of the human condition or any analyses of the social, economic, and even the predictions of secular and Christian prophets. It sees, that is faith, sees and understands the permanent universal alteration of the human situation in Jesus Christ and him crucified and the human condition in light of it and in light of its inevitable change. Thesis 78. We need a conversion. In fact, we need a lot of conversions. We need continual conversions. But I'll say this compactly. We need a conversion, a change of perceptiveness and perception to become compatible with the change of the human situation that has occurred in Jesus Christ and him crucified. Thesis 79. This all occurred in that which we call the Christ event. The passion of the Christ, which is an act or action of God. For as Jesus endured the cross, God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. In the cross, Jesus also acted as well as suffered. As priest, he engaged in the action of offering himself, and as the lamb, he engaged in the passive passion of being offered. He, therefore, endured the cross, and this is what the passion of the Christ means. Thesis 80. Jesus intercedes, advocates, mediates in order to save us to the uttermost, to the maximum, to save us completely as we've studied. Yes, but also to save us through this time in between, the radical and permanent change of the human situation and the impending permanent and radical alteration of the human condition and even of the human somatic or bodily status. In this meantime, where we are right now, we are weak in him, weak in Christ, but in our weakness we are strong because in weakness his power kicks in for us. His grace is enough for us in this meantime during the duration of this meantime. In this arena of struggle and contention, of tribulation and pressure, in our weakness, we are still in him, and he is in us. Thesis 81. 
Because of the radical alteration of the human situation, everybody is in Christ. Then they are also part of the new creation of all things. 2 Corinthians 5.17 We'll be expanding on that soon, I hope. I'll repeat the first half and then continue to the end of Thesis 81. Because of the radical alteration of the human situation, everybody is in Christ. Then they are also already part of the new creation of all things. Those who have come to judge this to be the truth and the reality that is in Jesus are primarily motivated by his love, his love for all people, for all people, for all people. There are verses within that thesis, too. Thesis 82. And this is an expansion on what I said before about conversion. We need a conversion, a change of perceptiveness and perception, which is compatible with the change of the human situation that has occurred in Jesus Christ and him crucified. This conversion occurs when the love of God is poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. In fact, it will be a threefold conversion, intellectual, moral, and spiritual. If we add in R.M. Duran's psychic conversion, it will be a fourfold conversion. Now, we may develop this later on, too, to realize that, again, this Radical alteration is not only of the human situation, but of the creational situation. And so conversion actually will involve a certain concern and care for our mutual home, planet Earth. But it won't be a, it won't be greeny neurosis. It'll be a rational concern for the present state of our planet. But will also be a rational, conscious expectation that God is going to transform and transfigure the whole universe and make a new heavens and a new earth. And so that avoids the angst and the even the psychoneurosis that's available now and expressing itself through certain screaming greenies. Thesis 83 the salvation that is wrought by God in Christ and by the Spirit through two divine missions for us, for us all, is of such great importance that it has radically affected the whole human and creational situation, is presently transforming those who believe the gospel, and will yet alter the human and cosmic condition for the infinitely better. Because, of, because it is of the Lord and not man, this great salvation is universal and not just particular. It is free and not earned, merited, or deserved. It derives from the faithfulness of God in Christ and not from man's faith or faithfulness. Now, all that's Thesis 83, so I'm going to repeat it again rather rapidly to see its compactness. 
The salvation that is wrought by God in Christ and by the Spirit for us is of such great importance that it has radically affected the whole human and creational situation, is presently transforming those who believe the gospel, and will yet alter the human and cosmic condition for the infinitely better. Because it is of the Lord and not man, this great salvation is universal and not just particular. It is free and not earned, merited, or deserved. It derives from the faithfulness of God in Christ and not from man's faith or faithfulness. Thesis 84. What kind of significance does Jesus have? if not saving, if not universal. Christology, and this is for a systematic theology, if you're, say you were going to write one. Christology is central in such a systematic theology. Christology is determinative of soteriology. By determinative, I mean profoundly influential of. It profoundly influences all other aspects of theology like soteriology, eschatology, anthropology, homardiology, ecclesiology, and cosmology. So I'll say that again. Thesis 84, what kind of significance does Jesus have if not saving and if not universal? Christology is central. Christology is determinative of soteriology, eschatology, anthropology, homardiology, ecclesiology, and cosmology. Cosmology is the realm of physics as well as theology. And according to a recent article that I read in Singularity Hub online, an article by Sam Barron of April 15, 2022, The idea that's been discovered by physics, at least the cutting edge or the bleeding edge of physics, is that causation is the basic feature of the universe, even over time. Time is not the basic feature of the universe, but causation. Causation. Now, that's a very important discovery because causation relates to creation by a divine designer. But that's coming up, maybe more will be followed up on that. Cosmology is a theological as well as a science of physics. Thesis 85. Our great archpriest who saves us completely ministers in our behalf in the time in between the radical alteration of the human situation, which was brought about in his appearance to put away sin, and the permanent alteration of the human condition, which will be brought about in his second appearance, when he appears without having to deal with sin, but to bring salvation to a waiting humanity and a groaning creation. That's Thesis 85, which I will repeat. Our great archpriest, who saves us completely, ministers in our behalf in the time in between the radical alteration of the human situation, which was brought about in his appearance to put away sin, and the permanent alteration of the human condition, which will be brought about in his second appearance when he appears without having to deal with sin, to bring salvation to awaiting humanity 
and a groaning creation. That's when the radical change of creational and human condition is permanently altered for the infinitely better. Thesis 86, and this is important for practical purposes and for the spiritual life, the Christian life, for Christian livingness, for Christian worship. There is not an absolute divide between the alteration of the human situation and the alteration of the human condition because the actual human condition in sin and sinfulness is alleviated in some meaningful measure. In some great measure, in the case of those who are growing in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's 2 Peter 3.18 for a verse. Through the Spirit of grace, whose mission is to each of those individuals to whom God has revealed his Son. Let me say Thesis 86 again. These are things that need to be unfurled like a folded flag. There's a lot to it, and it could be expanded, explicated, expounded, and given lower blade data from the scriptures for documentation. Thesis 86, there is not an absolute divide between the alteration of the human situation and the alteration of the human condition because the actual human condition in sin and sinfulness is alleviated in some measure, in some in great measure, in the case of those who are growing in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ through the Spirit of grace whose mission is to each of those individuals to whom God has revealed his son. In other words, there is actually a change of condition and not just situation. Experience and not just position, we would say it in another era. With Christians or with human beings to whom God has revealed his son, in whom God has created or ignited faith and given the Holy Spirit, even the change of the human condition is occurring in some measure, though not, of course, through bodily resurrection, but in some measure and in some in great measure as the love of Christ controls them. So there's not an absolute divide between the change of the human situation and the change of the human condition. Hope, hopefully we'll be able to expand on that, unfold that, amplify that, explicate that, expound upon that, Give lower blade data to document that. Thesis 87, the church does not need to be reconciled to God. But the church does need to be reconciled with the doctrine and the truth of the universal reconciliation that has been wrought by God in Christ. In fact, I could say that for the whole human race. The whole human race doesn't need to be reconciled to God because it has been reconciled to God. But the human race, especially the church, needs to be reconciled with the doctrine and the truth of the universal reconciliation that has been wrought by God in Christ. The church, as it's called, is made up of people in whom God has evoked faith that Jesus is the Son of God. And they may even confess that. 
but they have believed that truth. The church does not need to be reconciled to God, but they do need to be reconciled to the doctrine of universal reconciliation if they're going to be effective ambassadors. Because to be an ambassador of Christ is to preach the gospel of an already done deal. We'll be coming up with that truth and expanding upon that truth soon also, Lord willing, and if he gives me breath and life. Thesis 88, and this is the last one, central to the universal alteration of the situation of humanity and creation and to the universal alteration of the condition of humanity and creation is God's boundless love, which in turn is radically concentrated and dramatically demonstrated in Jesus Christ and him crucified. Let me repeat Thesis 88 one more time, and then we will end this series of theses from Hebrews 1 to 7. Central to the universal alteration of the situation of humanity and creation, and to the universal alteration of the condition of humanity and creation, is God's boundless love, which in turn is radically concentrated and dramatically demonstrated in Jesus Christ and him crucified. And Father, we have determined to know nothing among those whom we have been teaching and proclaiming these last two and a half years. We have determined to know nothing apart from Jesus Christ and him crucified. We've determined to proclaim him, to preach him, to teach him, to warn every person we can, to teach every person we can, so that we may present every person we can in spiritual maturity. And we thank you, Father, that your grace has afforded the opportunity to do this. We pray that you will bless, encourage, challenge, save, restore, and build up all who have heard these messages and grant them a view of a bright and glorious future. For I ask it in Christ's name, amen.